Hello and welcome to a special regular, regular special episode of Asteroids in Exile. I'm Martin and Nif will be joining me in a few moments. But first, I want to introduce you to this episode's special guest. If you participate in the monthly ritual, that is pre-ordering comics via the previous catalog, and you look beyond the featured publisher section, you might be familiar with his name. He's the artist on Action Labs, Spencer and Locke. Written by David Peppos, colored by Jason Smith, lettered by Colin Bell, and drawn by our guest, Jorge Santiago Jr. We talk about his process, the, inc- the intricacies of storytelling, future plans, as well as comics we liked or did not like. And strangely, of all people, Win Diesel, Matt Damon, and Josh Brolin. <laughs> I hope you have as much fun listening to this part of our two-part interview as we had recording it, and I bid my farewell until the end credits. This is exciting. Nice to finally meet you. <laughs> yeah, nice to talk to you too. Although, like, when I so I just got home like a little while ago, and um, while I was coming home, my first thought was, I wonder if I should just because uh, I was like, I wonder if I should just have like a crazy like Texas accent like right off the gate. <laughs> be, like, be like, howdy. <laughs> I'm George. Nice to meet you both. <laughs> I just got I just got home from wrangling a bunch of horses. They got up out the pen and went and ran all lickety split all over my field. That is a very authentic Texas accent, I've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I am from Texas, although oh, right. I didn't get an accent out of the deal, which is kind of lame. But I'm I'm also kind of like, eh. I I, I get I have I don't know. I, I guess if 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 it meant that I could draw well, then I guess I don't need an accent. <laughs> I think you got the more um, the more important talent out of that bargain, right? <laughs> Did you ever try to draw real fast? I'm sorry. Uh, you know, uh, I just got the joke because I thought you meant drawing, and from Texas, that you're really good uh, at a at a at a gunfight. <laughs> you know, you're the first one oh, to yeah. draw. <laughs> <laughs> I can draw a gun way faster than any than anyone else I know, but that's about it. Like, um, like I, I've, I've fired a few guns in my life, but like, I don't know, guns, guns freak me out. So I tried not to, I try not to associate with them. And you're based around, um, Chicago now, or where are you based? Um, I, I live in, uh, Marietta, which is close to Atlanta. So I'm in Georgia. Is everybody still there? <laughs> oh, I, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> Nif, did we lose you? Or are you still, still with us? Skype Skype just froze, or, or my Skype just froze. So it's it's amazing that everything's still working. But I think we lost Sniff there. I think mine's still mine's still oh. going. He will come oh. back in. Okay, he'll find his way back. <laughs> <laughs> we just keep the light on for you. Yeah, like, I guess like doing like a pod or doing like an interview on Skype is sort of like doing an interview in space. Like yeah. at some point, someone's just gonna get nah. Oh man. We lost Niv. We got to go back for him. Uh, he'll be fine. He's got 30 minutes of air. <laughs> We're not the Marines. We don't come back for anybody. <laughs> yeah, he's not Mark Wahlberg. We can't come back for him. But no, Matt Damon. Oh, What's Matt I'm Damon? Yeah, it's Matt Damon. Like in, It's always in movies. Like, yeah, Matt Damon's always left behind. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, it's and like uh, there was like a thing where they made like a, oh, how, how much money have they spent Sending people to save Matt Damon, 
Like, uh, they did it in uh, Saving Private Ryan. They did it in Interstellar. They did it in The Martian. You know, like, it's all these movies where Matt Damon's in trouble and they have to send people out to find him. I completely forgot that he was in Interstellar as well. Yeah, like, he's not, um, like, they, I, I guess, like, they wanted to keep his, like, name off of it. So it was, like, a surprise when he, when he popped out. Because like, I was like, hey, it's Matt Damon. It's good to see. I was wondering where. <laughs> I was wondering where he was. And then he went apparently to Mars. They, yeah, apparently he got lost and <laughs> fell into a wormhole. Ended up on some like the worst possible planet you could imagine—the one made of like ammonia and ice. Like, oh <laughs> yeah, and floating in the clouds, right? Yeah, and he came. Oh yeah, and he time traveled as well. He came back to the Great Wall. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, but how much has, has Matt Damon done for the world, though, as both Jason Bourne, you know, saving China and the Great Wall? Oh, yeah, right. It's worth, it's worth saving his life over and over again. <laughs> well, I, I, I guess. Well, yeah, I guess so. Although in World War Two, the only reason they went to, to to save him was because, like, all three of his brothers died. So it was yeah. more just like, yeah, he just got lucky, I guess. Except that every member of his family is dead. Like... I don't know. His mom was still alive. So oh yeah, that's yeah. Someone to come they, back to. Yeah, because I guess like the army was like, well, we don't want to tell her that all of our kids died. It's like, oh okay. I didn't know the the military was that kind hearted. That they were like, hmm. You know how many of these letters I have to write? If I have to write one more to the lady, I'm gonna feel real bad. Like I don't know. That, that seems weird. But I did like Saving Private Ryan. I think. That's probably my favorite Vin Diesel movie. Vin Diesel is like, Private with, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, he, he, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's the he's the guy who like rushes out to go save somebody and he gets sniped, and then he's like lying in like it's it's like in a like a ruined city and he's just like sitting in the like lying down in the middle of the street just like bleeding out and they can't go to get him because they can't see the sniper. I think that's Vin Diesel. Yeah, I think I remember that he was in that movie, but I haven't seen it in years. He was now. in that movie. Google is our friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god, Vin <laughs> Diesel was the saving private Ryan. <laughs> that guy worked with Steven Spielberg. <laughs> he's raking in the dough right now, so don't laugh at Vin Diesel, no, right? No, no, he's he's raking in the dough, but you know, uh, with the Fast and the Furious, and I'm Groot, <laughs> basically. Yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing. Great. I, I feel like the like Vin Diesel's two most beloved roles as far as like nerds go are I think he was the voice of the Iron Giant in the Iron Giant. He was cartoon. the voice of the Iron Giant, yeah. yeah. And he's the voice of Groot. So literally to nerds, like he is the best just like one sound person, like actor ever. Because all he does is <laughs> in Groot, he has he has one line. I mean, sure he he like He says it a, a, like a bunch of different ways, and I, I think I saw a video where he, uh, like he he does like the dub language for every yeah for Groot in every language. So he's like, "Yo soy Groot," like, and, <laughs> but it, it's I don't know. I, I like to make fun of Vin Diesel, but at the same time, I'm pretty sure he could beat me up. So I think it's fair. Yeah, he could. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He could probably beat us all three up if we gang up on him. <laughs> He's, yeah, he's just getting more and more monstrous in every movie. Like it's just he's such a beast. Even next to the rock, you know. And they keep giving that dude spy cars. Like, come on. <laughs> he gets spy cars and he's buff. Yeah, he'll beat up all three of us. Yeah. 
that's great. Although I would love to see that movie though, like Vin Diesel versus nerds. It would just be so. <laughs> it would be. It would be almost like the fight in uh, in Civil War, where it's like cat, or where it's uh, it's two on one, Cap and uh, and Bucky versus Iron Man, where he's just like, oh, I got to keep these guys off me. Like that's pretty much how I imagine it would be. <laughs> Except without the power armor, right? <laughs> it's just Vin Diesel. He is his own armor. Yeah. Well, yeah. Paul his Flesh. armor are so. Just plowing through dozens of people. <laughs> He's just chasing us. <laughs> it turned into a horror movie now. Now it's just like when Vin Diesel strikes back or something. Yeah, the well, I'm sorry. I was gonna say I, I don't know where they're gonna go with like the Fast and Furious franchise from from here. Like it's just so out of reality already. I'm sure they're gonna hit space. Like it's gonna be on the moon or something next time. Yeah, but there's, <laughs> there's no friction in space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's not as much. I mean, it's going to be a zero gravity car race. Is what it's going to be. They practically are anyway. Like it's yeah. like, oh yeah, we're we're racing our cars on like the art, like on a on a glacier. It's like, yeah, that that's yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. There's that scene in the trailer where the rock like grabs a torpedo and like redirects it. At a, yeah. At like a <laughs> I, I was like, I don't I don't care how like I don't know. You couldn't pay me five dollars to get anywhere near a torpedo. Even yeah. if you were like, look, George, we pulled out all of its uh, all of its explosive stuff. Look, it's over there. No, I'm not getting near it. They pretty much left physics behind in like the the third movie, I think. You know, <laughs> so it was pretty early on in the franchise. Oh yeah, well, and like I, I've never like in all in all fairness, I've never seen a Fast and the Furious movie. And at first, it was because like it was it was kind of like from a snobby thing. I was like, uh, it's a movie about cars and racing, whatever. But then a, a friend of mine, uh, Adam, he he was telling me that the reason he likes them is because, like, more so than anything else, they're almost like feats of um, stunt, like movie making. Like mm-hmm. as far, yeah, like as far as like a special effects movie goes, like it, that's where you, that's where like you know stuntmen and stunt drivers and like you know all of these all these professionals who are like you know martial artists, like they go and do these movies because they're. They're fun movies to do, and it lets them like sort of like show their their craft. And like uh, when, when I thought of it that way, I was like, "Oh, yeah, no, that that's a really good point." Because as a person who's tried to like choreograph like a fight scene or like a mm-hmm. car chase, like those things are incredibly difficult. And and I'm not wor- and I'm not having to think about drivers. I'm just like drawing it. And so the fact that they can make like 12 fast and the furious movies and people still dig them and they're still exciting to watch. And like, it's like, man, like the, there, there's something there. Although like, it's still like, man, how many times is like, uh, the rock going to like rip his shirt off? Well, it, I mean, he, he only, the only reason he does it, I'm sure is because shirts can't contain him anymore. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, but it's true. It's all about the spectacle with, with those movies and i think you know um maybe that's a good segue into like sort of your process and your art so um but i think that's a really good segue to start talking about like you know just how how you approach your your art and sort of that sort of whole process around putting putting scenes together and the choreography and stuff for me uh and i i guess i'll i'll break it down in in two ways because like i'm sort of two different uh artists in one because I, I draw and write my own comics and then I also do art for like with writers. Like for example, like 
Uh, and I'll talk about this one because it's the most like relevant, especially to what we're talking, what we were talking about just now. Um, Spencer and Locke, which is out through Action Lab right now. I worked on that with uh, writer David Pepos and our colorist uh, Jason Smith and our letterer uh, Colin Bell. Uh, that one was uh, it's it's a very different process for me, but pretty much the way that we did it was I would get the script. And then um, we would break it down each page into like the panel layouts. Like I would always do my version of like what, what, how I wanted it. And uh, because David is very like exacting and very like, cause like he's been reading comics for a long time. So he has his like own ideas for like how the page should be structured. And so we would come together with like the two different layouts and we would discuss like, okay, like which, which panel layout works best for what, like what, you know, um, as far as like uh, when with with an action scene, you know, um, my my thought is always when I'm reading a script is to uh, uh, think about how the page is going to read, um, mm -hmm. because like, I uh, I think that's that's a pretty forgotten part of a lot of comics is they're very uh, like they're they're I mean, they're they're drawn beautifully. But sometimes like and, and I, I think it could just be because there's like a miscommunication thing because most like, I know like, uh, like Chris Somney and I'm sorry if I'm all over the place, but uh, yeah, no, like, oh, please. yeah, like, um, Chris Somney and a lot of artists, like, uh, I got my, my master's degree in uh, sequential art from the Savannah college of art and design. And when we're planning out our pages, um, we always place like where our speech bubbles are going to go. So that way there is always, uh, room for it but I, mm -hmm. I don't know if um those thumbnails make it to the the letterer a lot of the time so i i'm not sure like um what's going on there i guess when, when it comes to designing a page my thought is always like all right how is this going to read and um how can i like orient the art and orient the panels in order to help uh like visually tell the story uh without you even needing to uh like to read like the the speech the speech bubbles because like I think more so than uh, because I I I always believe that when you're reading a comic book your your eyes are always going to go to the the speech bubbles because that's that's the text that's what stands out and um, when it comes to drawing a page you're almost like a like the the page like the the lettering really sets up like the map of the of the the journey that the the art's going to be. And then how you orient the art, like it, it, it even comes down to like what direction a character is facing or like mm -hmm. uh, if, if somebody is uh, facing right. And uh, if, if we're if we're thinking about we read uh, left to right in English, if somebody is facing to the right versus somebody who's facing to the left, the person who's facing to the right, they are in they're sort of like walking with the stream. They're walking uh, they're, uh The things that they do are. Uh, sort of perceived faster because they're going along with the like the reading order of the of the the page. So like sometimes if you're having an, an argument on on panel, sometimes the best way to, uh, to if if you have a character who's who is like oh like this is the easy way this you have them face right, and if you have somebody who is like uh, blocking them or being like I don't think that's a good idea, you'd put them mm -hmm. on the left and then have them face left because like their point is like a stopping point in the action. Like um, if somebody is like, uh, I, I guess like I'll use like if, if Locke, the, the, uh, the detective is like, okay, I need to do this. I need to rush into danger. He'll, I, I would draw him facing right. But then yep. if Spencer, who is his like Panther compatriot 
if he's mm-hmm. the one who is like, hey, dude, maybe maybe we should chill out for a second. I'll, I'll try to have him facing left. So that way it feels like uh, like there's there's a barrier between like the the natural progression of of the page. And um, yep. it, it's like a, it, it's a way to uh, dir- you can direct fights in uh in what's it called uh in a lot of action that way um i learned right. this from reading a lot of manga but also from uh, eric canetti is eric canetti uh he came to scad a few times and did some talks and i got a lot of portfolio reviews from him mm-hmm. over over the years uh eric canetti was the artist on uh, run love kill and mm-hmm. he did uh enter the mandarin for marvel um but he was also a storyboard artist for disney on um was it uh, Tron Uprising, the TV show? Right. Yeah. And um, one of the things he talked about was uh, because we read because uh, uh, in in English we see progression is left to right. He talked about when he was doing like a chase scene with like motor like the Tron motorbikes on a highway when the character when the the heroes were chasing down this like vehicle and they were uh, like speedily making their way through traffic they would always be traveling left to right like top to bottom. But as soon as like the vehicle that they were chasing like uh, started to attack them and like shoot things at them, then the uh, the highway sort of like makes a quick turn, and now they're heading uphill like visually. They're heading up towards the top uh, like left corner of the screen, and they're having to like dodge missiles or dodge lasers and things like that. And so that's where um, like vis- like th- th- those are the things that I always try to plan out when I'm uh, figuring out my pages is just um how how can i orient the art in order to help the story move along and and how can i uh compose things to make them as like clear as possible even without like dialogue or color because like uh this is something like i had my first ever like comic book signing on the the 12th which was awesome (laughs) but it was also yeah it it was yeah it, it was also like really um it was it was really humbling. I, I loved it a lot. But um, one of the, the the things that people were saying is they thought that my my artwork stood out really well in black and white. Yeah. And to me, like that's that's the best like uh, compliment that I could get is that you know it's easy to read even without without the speech bubbles and without the color and like I love like uh, I don't want to like I'm not saying that like they those are taking away anything from the book like they're certainly not it's just that um i want to i want to make sure that i did the best that i could do to make like my my portion of the of the comic like as strong as possible and so like um so uh and because because like as the the artist i'm not just drawing characters i'm tell i'm the one who's like conveying the story like Mm -hmm. i want to make sure that i can use as many possible um techniques in telling in telling the story so um i've been rambling for a while i apologize <laughs> no it's, it's, um, it's amazing yeah it's really cool to hear the process i mean even the um what what you're mentioning before about sort of having the obstacle to the story progression come in from the right right so do you think about that in terms of the panel um makeup or like in terms of the pages as a whole or is it a combination of both and that that might be a little bit too detailed as a question but yeah i'm just trying to get an understanding of um how how do you sort of put it together in your mind do you think in terms of the pages or the individual panels i i have to think of them as as the page because uh this is something that like i've learned a lot from uh watching movies and and reading uh, manga again because uh mm-hmm. like when i was in school 
uh, the professors would say, like, you know, when you're telling a story, like, you don't need to, like, have, uh, you, you know, like, sometimes, like, you have panels that that are, they're not squared or rectangled. They're, like, on, uh, they're, they're like, yeah. angled and such. And I remember, th- like, when, when they were saying that, because whenever I did it, it was always just because I thought it was cool. But then once I started looking at comics where, like, they were using it properly, like, uh, Becky Cloonan is, like, a really good example. Like, um, in her book, uh, The Mire there's a scene where uh like th- there's a scene where this uh there's this like mummified woman who's got like a dagger like stuck in her chest yeah and the panel where you see her it's like it's wider at the top and then it like sort of funnels down and then you see the knife like stuck in her chest and so when i started thinking about it is it like the um to me like w- when you have a panel doing something like that it's like you're you're vis- you're visually panning through um through a scene like it's sort of like the camera is like pulling back or pushing forward like i uh, it helps me to think about my uh my storytelling as like a almost like a movie um mm-hmm. because my my imagination is it works in motion i don't see things as like um as still images in my head so uh it helps me to think of, i'm I, f- I feel more like a cinematographer you know like all right the camera's gonna go here and i have to move it here in order for this scene to work but um since the since the panels have to be drawn and i want i want everything to sort of interlock on the Mm -hmm. page uh like especially if like there's a scene um and like i should grab see i'm just grabbing my my spencer and lock pages just like just to see if there's anything like that in here that i could use as like oh here's an example and of course, I'm not really seeing it. <laughs> it's always the case when you try to find it on short notice, it never shows up. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like, so, I, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, um, I was going to ask, going back to this cinematic um, theme you were going on before, like, so that, that seems to be a bit of a trend recently with the cinematic um, style coming more and more into the comic medium. Do you see that as well? Like, is that changing in the industry? Um, and is that something you're aware of in, in terms of trying to bring it back to what comics can do better than movies and sort of the way movies compose their scenes and and how um how aware are you of that as you are putting your your story together i guess it depends on on the the creator really like i i find that a lot of the times the artists that are uh, most like incorporating those types of uh like like film inspired uh, storytelling techniques, they don't tend to be from, from America. They tend to be from abroad. Like, uh, like Greg Tokini is an, is an artist that I feel like, Oh, he uses a lot of like visual imagery that comes from movies. Like a lot of his shots are very like, Oh, I'm going to put this camera like on, like, uh, like they're, I think uh, I think somebody called it a Dutch angle. I'm not sure if that's the right term for it, but he always has these shots where he puts the camera like, really high up but like on a like you you can see like the entire layout of a room but it's funneling like straight down and um there are these like these brilliantly drawn uh segments where you can see so much of the character like you can see like their entire body but you can also at the same time see like the entire uh like the entire room that they're a part of so it's like you get that that perfect blend of like character building and also like world building and i'm not that that good yet as like at a, as as a lot of those artists so that 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 one can be tricky um right. i i 
I definitely do. And and the thing about comics, and the, this is cool because this sort of like brings into like my my thesis, um, because my thesis was about panel design and how that can like influence storytelling just as much as as the art. And I, I went through uh, a bunch of comics that I was reading, and I was finding that it, it's it's definitely a trait that you find in artists that are that are older or artists who are more um, like, I'm trying to think of like the word, like, uh, because in, in, in this day and age where there's a lot of comics that sort of, they have to come out quickly. Sometimes mm-hmm. the, the easiest thing to draw is the best thing to draw. Like, okay, I'll draw this because this book has to get to print and yeah. I need it off. And so like, a like I, I had it, I had it sort of lucky because when uh, action lab picked up Spencer and Locke, we had a we had a month and like a or no we had a year and a couple of months to finish like all four issues so i got to take my time and um and plan them out like the the longest stage of making them was uh the planning out the like going through the script and thumbnailing and re-thumbnailing and figuring out the best sequence and then um the drawing the pages part was like the easiest uh portion like took the least amount of time well i guess like in terms of um in terms of like the full time, I think we spent more time planning out the pages more so than anything else. But, um, right. I, I and think, that, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, so <laughs> I wanted to ask, like, is that the more collaborative part of it? Right. So you're actually working with the writer at that stage to actually plan out the story, the pages and how it's all going to fit together. And then you would then work on the art after that stage. And it's, right. that, that's kind of more the solo part of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like uh, I, I know that in uh, especially like with Marvel, like there's the uh, like the Matt Fraction, David, uh, is it Aja or Aha? I'm, I'm not yeah, sure. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm not sure. So I'm just gonna go with Aja because if I say Aha, I might start seeing Take on Me, and so like uh, like their their Hawkeye, their Take on Hawkeye, I think is one of the examples of you know, where, uh, like writer and artists like blend together and like, they really told a story that, um, like that is, it's one of those things where because they work well together and they're not standing in each other's way, like they can, uh, like the, I feel like the product is a lot stronger, but, um, if, uh, I guess like if I had a writer who wasn't as, uh, invested in what the interiors would look like, then it would have been. I probably would have been a pretty different comic. I guess, like in in my experience, it's very interesting because like David's the first writer that I worked with. Because up until uh, up until him, I'd always worked alone. Like e- even when I did uh, like in school, we would get scripts, but I wasn't in contact with the writer. It was always like, oh, here's a script from B Clay or uh, B Claymore. You guys should draw mm-hmm. this now. That's your assignment. It's like okay, but like I couldn't send him a message and be like, hey. What did you want in this panel? Like, what were like, what were you thinking as far as like how you wanted this? Like, what is the most important information here? And so, I'm I'm like I'm like doubling back to the to the question. Um, yeah. I think that uh, I I guess like cinematic storytelling will sort of depend on on the artist. Like personally, I think that it makes the comics more immersive. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, I I think that it's a very uh, um, like m- more so than anything else. Like I think like when people read comics, like they want to sort of it's it's almost like escapism. It's not just escapism, but like it's it's like you want to be thrown into a world where these characters exist, 
be they uh, superheroes or a detective solving a murder. You know, like it's sort of like when you when you go watch a movie, you want to be in that world. Like that's why the lights. Yeah. Like you you want to be you're watching you're a witness to this world that's unfolding in front of you. And I think that like if um, with a lot of comics, just because like they don't have like the time to like really put like that care into it, like it can be kind of detrimental. But like um like I mean like European comics like. I don't have like a the greatest of um like uh experience with them but like the ones that I've read and what I know about like the European comic industry is that like they give their artists a lot of time or at least a lot more time uh comparatively to yeah. compose the page and to make it beautiful you know like and like really I mean like every time you read like a a page of black sad you're like whoa look at this world that I could like you could almost walk into it it feels so like look so real and warm and stuff but like i think like in american comics uh there would probably need to be like some uh more time uh given to the artists in order to to make things uh like that immersive because uh i, I think i think a lot of artists would need to be trained in how to do it because um it's it's a very deceptive uh well not deceptive it's a very uh easy to overlook aspect of making comics uh is the the storytelling part of it and um the the it, even when people try try things out it doesn't always work the right way it's sort of like oh you you've seen a lot of movies and you want to make a movie but the first time you pick up a camera and you try to film it like that's that's difficult getting it in the right spot knowing where knowing what the right lighting is like there's a lot of thought that goes into what you see on this frame or in this case on the page that if you don't know, then it's easy that when, when it's missing, you, you can feel it. Yeah. Like, um, uh, one of the comics I, I remember talking about was there was this like vertigo book, like a few years ago. Um, it was about this, like late, there was this girl that she was like a member of this, um, famous family. And I think that she became like a, like a, like, I don't know, but it, it was, a. It was, I guess, like it, when in the way I say it, it almost sounds like it's Mother Panic, but it, it's not that. It was, um, like I don't know. There, there was like this like gothic horror thing happening. Oh, the Dan Ebnet thing, the vampire book, um, the new to the audience. You know, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I would really need to to look at it because uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say the name if I don't know who it is, yeah. and I also don't want to like denigrate the artist for like the work that they did. But it's yeah. just like. Like so, there's a scene where like I think this uh, this lady is uh, she's like really badly shot, and she goes into a like a doctor's uh, like they're 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 operating on her. And there's this scene where like a lot of different like uh, scenes from her life that were traumatic are drawn like as if in shards of glass that are circling the page. Right. Like drawing wise, it's a very impressive like illustration, but in terms of storytelling, like it's sort of like all right, where do I begin? on this page like wh where do i start and where am i supposed to go like it, it's this very sort of cobbled not cobbled but it's very like um almost like piecemeal method of like of reading the page and I, i guess maybe it was made with that effect in mind like you're not supposed to read it and you're supposed to read it it's and not, feel yeah. oriented but mm -hmm. when you compare that to sort of like how like how frank quietly puts together a page Like, um, I was, uh, looking at like we three and like in we three, he was always thinking about even, even when it gets weird, but, and we three is really weird. There's always a 
point where it's you know you know where you're supposed to go and even when he's like filling the page with like like dozens of tiny panels for like that scene where they're escaping from the uh from like the facility the yeah. like the weapon animals like you know you still get this sense of like oh okay i understand that this is hectic but i also know where to read yeah. because the biggest um the biggest trick in making comics is getting is like telling your story but without losing the audience because like i i'm very guilty of like uh i'll i'll pick up a book or i'll watch something on tv and if i'm not invested in like five minutes i i get very like uh my time is valuable i can't i can't be bothered i need to get out of here yeah and and and, you know because like people's time is valuable you know like if like uh like if somebody gets home from work and they have like uh an hour to read a comic like i want to make I want to make sure that if they pick up one of my books, it's something that they can drop into and that it's like, oh, okay, I'm never confusing them. Like I I did this like sort of comic experiment when I was when I was at SCAD. Uh, Mm -hmm. Do you guys do you guys remember the uh, the and it, it, it wasn't that far off. But it was like I think it was issue seven of the Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, Batman. It was it was the one where the book rotated. Yeah. Oh, that was the Code of Al story, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, and I remember when I read it, I was like, "Whoa, this is so cool!" The way the book just turned, and but then like I, I started reading it, and I was like, "Wait, there was a point where I didn't know how I was supposed to read because like you're supposed to read the book like backwards or something, or no, it's like uh you read the pages normally, but the page order is is backwards. Like you have to read the right page first, but you're reading it like left to right and top to bottom, and then I think you go to the next one, which is like on the left." And I remember that felt really weird when I was reading it. So um, when even though like it was a great way of showing like, oh, hey, this is Batman uh, like going crazy. And not only is yeah. he going crazy, but you can feel it. You can see and feel the disorientation that he is feeling like as all of these horrible things are happening to him. It was such a great idea. So I wanted to try something like it, but I wanted to see if I could. um if I could like ease the reader into it. So I did a book called the caverns, which was like, it, it was part of my thesis. It was mm-hmm. about a, uh, a detective who goes looking for a missing child. Uh, Cause I was reading a lot of Lovecraft at the time. Uh, this, this kid went into a house, like an abandoned home, like uh, playing hide and seek with their friends. And uh, even though like all the other kids left, this one kid didn't and like police have been searching and they have no idea where this child went. And so this detective goes into the house and he finds this like um, this passageway in in the second floor that leads into like this uh, cavern. And at first he doesn't know what to make of it, but he decides that if he's going to find the kid, he has to check this area. So in the book, there there there's a two page uh, spread where it's him entering the entering the cavern and getting um, like starting to lose it a bit like he's starting to be like he, he can't remember how long he's been down there like between three panels like he grows like almost a full beard because there's no daylight he has no sense of like oh how long have i been here Time, and yeah. um in order to sort of drive that home and also play with the uh the greg capullo technique i started rotating the panels so that way when you're reading it you're holding the book out in front of you left to right but then by the time you get to the bottom of the page, you're holding the book. So it's um, the pages are top and bottom. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I, whenever I'd go to shows, I would have this book and I would uh, I'd be like, oh, here, this is my comic experiment. I tried something <laughs> crazy with it. 
And it was really cool watching people read it and then just like naturally start to rotate the book and then reading yeah. it that way. And so the like that two page spread was like my my trick to see if I could ease somebody into that same type of panel rotation or page rotation. I'm sorry, but not like lose them in it because they, they would never comment like, oh, that. Oh, I see what you're doing here. They would always finish the book and then be like, oh, that was cool. I like that. Right kind of thing and so um and like I, I can send you some like i don't you uh you guys do show notes or things like that right yeah yeah I, I can send you some some pages from from all the stuff i'm talking about so like hopefully it'll be it'll be a little bit easier for people to see and yeah, like, like great yeah that would be yeah. awesome and yeah. did people come i'm uh, sorry uh Oh, no, go, go ahead. Did people comment on your co uh, on your color work in the cabin as well? Because I uh, I re I read it yesterday and I remember when when you turn the the comic book, uh, it seems like the scenes are getting a bit brighter when he enters the cabin, as to um, to signal that he's near near his goal, so to say. Mm -hmm. Did people yeah. comment on that as well, or or was that a, a, a deliberate choice that that you made? Because I, it it struck me as weird that it's like oh it's it's getting brighter in this in this uh, as as he reaches his goal. Oh yeah, and so here's a, here's another like little like a long story explaining that. So um, at the time, this is when the fifth Beatle had come out, the uh, yeah. Andrew Robinson uh, book, and I love Andrew Robinson's work because that guy is like a virtuoso of not just like character storytelling, but also just like in, in terms of his technique. Like that guy, you, you could give that dude like a, a stick and some mud and he would make like a beautiful comic page. And so like looking at his art and especially in the fifth Beatle, like there's a lot of pages where sometimes it's in watercolor, sometimes it's in marker, sometimes it's like it's in it's digital. And so I wanted to try doing something like that, but have like a, a story reason for it. So um, in the caverns, like uh, all of the scenes that take place on Earth are in uh, the, they're rendered in Copic marker. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a, it's Copic markers. And I was using a, uh, co like colored pencils for line art. And, uh, I use those same colored pencils throughout, but as soon as you get into the caverns, I switched materials. I'm using watercolors and I was using a, a paper that has like a more, uh, cream tone to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, like uh, all of the things on earth are on this, like uh, bright white, Uh, paper with like a lot of marker rendering and it's really dirty and it uh, gets really dark very quickly because that's all markers can do but then with the watercolors since they're transparent like they stay vibrant and uh and they stay light but the like that warmth from the paper is really um so i i, I wanted to have my art materials tell the story in the same in the same way that like i was telling the story not just with the characters but with like Uh, the page rotation and um, all of the other like uh, just like storytelling tricks that I was that I was uh, trying out in my in my thesis and it works amazing. I, I talked to Kevin a lot because uh, you you wrote on Instagram that you you weren't sure if if people would dig it. I was really interested to oh, yeah. to see what it's what it's about. Yeah, cool. Thank thank you. Like no, no. It, it's one of those. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, 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 thank you for providing me with a uh, with a copy. <laughs> oh, I mean, no problem. Like I, 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 like you've been like legit, like one of the coolest people I've met since like I've, because uh, like I moved out here to to Georgia to go to school, and like I made a lot of friends. But like, you've definitely been like one of the coolest people and like most supportive oh, people that, that I've 
So no, thank you. Like I, I owe you one. No, no, no. You, you made my whole family cry on Christmas. I owe you one. Tears of joy. <laughs> I have to. Say, I have to add. <laughs> no, I, I would. I would take it if I made like a whole. Well, no, I'd, I'd probably feel bad if I made your family cry. On <laughs> they were happy tears, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The best tears. Like, yeah. I, like I, I, I love when I when I can watch a movie or like read a comic and like I want to cry at the end of it. I'm like, mm, this is good. It's got me right in the heart. Like that. That's what I want. And so, like th that's what I'll always endeavor to do with my with my comics is like to to tell a story and then hopefully I can I can I can pull some tears like out of you and like and make make you care like I I, I think that, that that's the like m more so than than anything else like because I I watch a lot of movies and I read a lot of stuff and like um, art is very subjective and certain tools work for certain people or not not tools like um of uh, like cer certain like character moments work for certain people and things like that. And it's really easy for, um, for like a movie to be not very well made um, or not well made, but like technically it can be like very uh, like shallow or, mm -hmm. but like if, if a movie can make you like make you care about the characters, then I think like in my mind, like they've, they've done something good. Like they, they've, they've gotten that part right. And like, so when I, whenever I see something that makes me cry, I always like have to note it. Cause I'm always like, you did it. Awesome. Yeah. I give, I give them like the, the, uh, the Terminator two like thumbs up as I enter into the sad, <laughs> like, sad lava. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's great. I mean, so that's a great segue into like, what are those, whether it's movies or comics that have actually inspired you and like made you want to do this every day, you know? Okay. Um, so the first comic that I like, uh, I guess like when I was a kid, my mom got me uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like the Eastman and Laird stuff, mm -hmm. uh, because she was like, oh, he loves the turtles. He'll love like, here's a comic. Perfect. But she didn't she didn't check it. Mm -hmm. And like, that's the one where like <laughs> the turtles kill the shredder on like the first time they meet him. You know, like. <laughs> Like that kind of thing. Like, oh, I'm sorry for spoiling a book. Like, it's like 30 years old. Yeah. yeah. Old <laughs> but like, um, and so I remember that being like the first book that I read that I actually remember like vividly. And then I was sort of, I remember drawing like a lot, but I was never really into comics as much after that. Just because like, I feel that in the 90s, like comics were almost like impossible to get into. They were so, and and I think part of it was just because like today you can find back issues like nobody's business, but like back then, like if you were starting on, oh, I want to read Spider-Man. Well, where do you, where do you start? And so I sort of fell away from comics until I was in high school when a, a friend of mine showed me a manga for the first time. And like it, um, it like awakened this like weird addict inside me. Um, the book was uh, Ranma One Half. Like, uh, are, are you are, are are you familiar with like the storyline of Ranma One Half? Yeah, a great book to start to start the yeah, it's, with. It, yeah, it's um and like because uh it, it especially at the start like it, it's very jokey, but at the time I didn't know that it was like a comedy comic. Like the first two volumes of it are almost just like uh like slapstick martial arts, which I was like, okay, that sounds good, but um. She let like she let me look at the first like chapter or so of it, and she was like, "Do you want to borrow it?" And I said, "Nah, I'm good." 
And I spent the rest of the day being like, oh, what happens next? I, oh, I don't have her number. I can't even call her and be like, hey, can you can you tell me like where I can find that? Or can, can I borrow the book, actually? And so yeah. it, at like the age of like 16, I was like, wait, I used to draw all the time. I, I know. I'll, I'll, I'll draw my own comics. And then it's been uh, so I was like 16 when that happened. I'm, I'm 31 now. Like almost half my life I've been I've spent uh, like chasing this like comic dream of um, just like drawing my own stuff. And even though I didn't think I'd make a career out of it at first, mm-hmm. once like I started really like analyzing it and figuring it out, then I was like, oh, OK, cool. I, I can I can totally I can totally make this work. And so after like self-publishing for a while, I'm like, OK, cool. Now I have a book in comic book shops. Now, now all I have to do is just do this forever until I die. And that's the tricky part. But um, <laughs> to, to go back to your question, because I had to tell my origin story, because uh, this is like a comic book movie. Um, <laughs> I think the, the book that really broke my, my heart and made me want to like, tell stories that were... Because like, I, I've, like, uh, up until... I guess sort of recently I was always just drawing action comics. Cause I was like, Oh, action comics are fun. It's cool to drop like people fighting and like ripping mm-hmm. each other in half and stuff like that. And like when you're reading manga, like that's most of what you see. I mean, yeah. like and even when you should go to the comic book shop, like it's mostly fighting, you know, like it's never like a, Oh, this is Spider-Man. And on, like on a day off, you know, like, Oh, yeah. he goes, uh, he goes to the movies and um, he has to go get like anti itch cream or something. Like it's never, <laughs> It's never like real stuff. And so I read um, this one manga called uh, Not Simple by uh, Natsume Ono. And this book uh, was the first time like I ever read something that made me realize like this is how a story is told. And like this is how you can use these techniques and your art and you can like break a person down like almost like at a molecular level and you can make them cry. And, and so I read that that book and like the storytelling in it is is perfect. Like the story is like if I was to tell tell you like what it is, it, it's it's very sort of like melodramatic almost. But when you're when you're reading it and you're sort of taking your time and looking at the panels and stuff like it, it it made me so sad. Like when I read it and I was like, this is what like, I was like, this is my new the new pinnacle of, of what I aspire to. And so at this point, I think that book is like out of print, but like I can grab another one that made me cry recently. It was called uh, The God's Lie by uh, Kaori Ozaki. Right. Like, um, I don't don't know if you've read it and I I don't want to spoil too much of it, but um, it's a story about this uh, this boy. uh, He's like he's a sixth grader who is he's living with his mom and um he he lies about going to this like soccer camp because he's not having fun at it because like this new coach is kind of a jerk. And so he doesn't know, like he's supposed to be at this camp for like a month and he doesn't know what to do. And uh, he ends up staying with this like classmate of his who is uh, it's her and her uh, little brother. And uh, they, they've got sort of like a, like a sort of rundown house. And uh, the, the girl's parents are also, like, not there. Like, her dad is, he's out, like, on a fishing boat, like, catching crabs. And mm-hmm. the mother is, like, I don't know if she's just out of the picture or if she's dead. And so it's, like, this, like, summer story where these two kids, or the, these three kids are sort of just, like, living under the same roof. And 
just sort of dealing with being young and being, um, you know, like you're feeling pressure from your parents and feeling pressure from like this. I mean, like the girl whose name is uh, Rio, like she's so she's so grown up for her age. Like she's um, because like they only have so much money because the dad isn't isn't there. So they have to ration it out. And they're like, OK, like this is what we can afford to make. And if we're feeding three people like this is what we need to do. And it's like it's such like a it, it's it's a great story as far as like um, like a coming of age type tale. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like it has parts in it where just like like I wanted to like throw the book at the wall because like it, there was there were characters that I hated so much. But like I couldn't right. do it because like there was there there were these kids who were just like they're just they're just kids like they shouldn't have to go through this stuff and that's yeah. how I know I'm in a like in a good space when a comic can make me like to care enough about some kids that I'm like oh oh man I don't yeah I don't, yeah it's it's sort of like Grave of the Fireflies where like it's so sad oh, it's like yeah. no this is too no I can't handle this so like the, the, as far as like comics go there's that I'm trying to think of um of like other comics I've read that like really sort of like, uh, like, like I guess turned on like the tear faucet. Cause like, I read a lot of stuff. Um, I know like, uh, in terms of like TV shows, there's a, there's an anime called, uh, cause I'm, I'm a, I'm a giant nerd. Like I, I love watching uh-huh. cartoons, but, um, what was it? Uh, there's this show called, uh, erased. It's on, I know it's on Crunchyroll. like that, that show, like broke me even though it's like it's it's sort of a sci-fi story like there's one sci-fi conceit in it mm-hmm. and they don't really explain like how it works or where it came from but just like the the story itself is it, it just like oh it's so i don't know it's it's weird like if i was to explain it to you it, it would probably seem like kind of like kind of wacky but it's about this um this dude who is like uh he works uh, I guess like he he sort of like squandered his youth sort of he's like mm-hmm. mid 20s I guess I think he's trying to do comics and like uh it's not going so well for him so he's delivering pizza as like a side gig but he has this like weird ability where um whenever he whenever like something bad is about to happen he goes through this, through this experience called revival where um he'll jump sort of backwards in time like a few minutes Mm-hmm. And every time this happens, he's recognized like he, this has happened to him since he was a kid. And he recognizes that when this happens, something bad is about to happen. So he's gotten used to it. So he starts to like look and try to find like what like what, what what's is. wrong, what's standing out like, you know, wh- where where's the bad coming from? And like in the first one that they they encounter, um, just to like give you an example, is uh, he's driving down the street like in his like pizza mobile or it's like a it's like a like a motorcycle thing. And um, he passes by like a kid crossing a road. He passes by a bunch of cars. There's like a, there's like a, a truck like with a driver in it. That's like passing. It's like a big, like a, almost like a, like a semi, like not quite that big, but something like that. And Mm -hmm. um, on the second time through after the revival happens, he notices that the driver of the semi is uh, asleep at the wheel. And so he like, so yeah, he does like a quick turnaround and he manages to, like sort of get up into the cab of the thing slightly and like pull the wheel of the truck. So it doesn't um, run over this kid who's crossing the road. And uh, because of that, he gets hurt and his mom shows up to take care of him. And um, what ends up happening is like he his 
he he ends up uh, it, oh, the revival happens again like in the same episode he and his mom like thwart like a a, a child kidnapping uh th- they end up uh sort of doing some looking because when he was a kid two of his classmates died and um he it was really traumatic for him um so he and his mom start like looking into it some more and then he comes home from work one day and finds his mom's been like stabbed and like she's she's bleeding out like in his in his apartment then the cops arrive and he goes through revival again but instead of it being like a few minutes he goes back like 20 years and now he's like a oh. child like with the mind of an adult and he's trying to like figure out like okay whoever whoever killed my mom is probably the person who uh, killed my my classmates. So if I can figure out who did it and stop them here, maybe I can save not just my classmates but also my mom from being killed in the future. So it's it's this weird, like to explain it like that. It's kind of it's kind of funky. But like yeah. when you're when you're watching it and you're just like, oh man, I can't I can't handle this like all this bad stuff happening to these kids. But at the same time, like it's 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 good stuff. Like I I don't know. I like I like it. I like it when a show can make me cry. But um, I'm also yeah. kind of crap. Like um, I'm not gonna lie. I cried twice in Logan. Like well, Logan like, was emotionally. Uh, it was it was a pretty tough movie to get through emotionally. Let me tell you. Yeah, like oh, especially like that last part. Like I, I don't I'm I don't know how much you guys have talked about it, and like I don't want to spoil it. But like there there's this scene with with him and Laura, and like. And she says something, and it's like yeah. it's right at the end. Like, yeah, that 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 killed me. I was like, I was sitting in the theater, like wiping away tears, but trying not to like make it super obvious to the people around <laughs> me that I was sitting there bawling, like yeah. during a superhero movie. And even talking about it now, I'm starting to like to tear up. So choke up. Yeah. We, so yes, we we should drop it. We should talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to Vin Diesel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Vin Diesel. He's never made me cry. <laughs> Save us, Vin Diesel. Yeah, Vin Diesel saved me from emotions, and then he shows up and he's like, "Hey, what's up?" And I'm like, "Oh, perfect." Nah, he's gonna, he's gonna be. It's all about family. I don't know. Yeah, I don't have friends. I have family. Yeah, awesome. exactly. They said family like 18 times during that trailer. <laughs> what about family? And then, he, then he kisses uh, Charlie's Theron, which oh. like, yeah. Well, I, I think I think that's who who that was. Yeah, yeah. She's in yeah, the movie as well. Sorry, man. Charlize Theron is in the Fast and the Furious. Yeah, yeah she's she's the villain. Okay. Yeah, she's the villain of the next one. I have to start watching those movies at some point. <laughs> yeah, because Martin and I haven't spoken in the last couple of weeks. So I actually saw it last week. I thought it was it was good escapist fun. You know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. Okay. Cool. So it, it's out. I, I may just go see yeah. it just because, like, I haven't seen one yet. And this seems like eh, it's in theaters. Like if, if if they can get me with with this one, then like uh, yeah, well maybe I'll go back and rewatch some of the older ones. Is it is there a lot of lore? Like am I am I gonna know? Like yeah, they're they're fast and loose with the lore. So I mean, you could watch it because all these characters have been in previous ones, but they all kind of swap around anyway. So I don't think it's gonna be that confusing for you. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to check it out because like I've been I've been hankering to see a movie for for a while. But like I have it like um like so like I, like we, we saw Logan. Uh, mm-hmm. like, I saw I saw it first by myself and then I watched it again, like with my roommates. 
And um, it was really great, just sort of like at, at all the scenes, like turning to the left and watching my roommates like wiping away tears. And yeah, yeah, that's how you know it's good. But um, but then like we saw Ghost in the Shell, and that that was like the 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 opposite kind of like yeah. kind of experience. Because like, so, I don't know. <laughs> um, what was your thought on that? I mean, it's it, it's. I haven't seen it, and I don't think Martin has either. No, no, it, and you know, I, I guess I won't see it because you know yeah. we have the anime, the anime, anyway, and yeah, and the manga. Yeah, and like so, the I guess like my my impression of it is that it's a movie that nobody on the film team wanted to make or that they really? cared. Like, um, they're like it, it's sort of uh, like so years ago. I watched the second Twilight movie, not because I wanted to watch it, but because like a friend of mine was like, George, let's go see it. And when when I'm like when you're watching a movie and you don't care about what's happening, you can sort of just look and see like storytelling techniques, you know, like, oh, like this is how yeah. they're conveying sadness because like the camera moves and stuff like that. Like everyone mm -hmm. in Ghost in the Shell like did their job, but it's such like a like no no pun intended it's such a soulless movie like yeah. it's it, it's weird that they even made it in the first place because like like when you have things like like deadpool like deadpool is like a labor of love between like amongst like a lot of people who really wanted to make this movie i think mm -hmm. when you watch when you watch deadpool like it, deadpool's not perfect but i think what you feel most is the the enthusiasm and the love poured into it by yeah people. you you yeah. can hear the high fives they're giving each other off camera <laughs> yeah like all like almost like yeah it's 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 great but like in ghost in the shell like there's none of that like it's such like a clinical cold like by the books movie which like i guess is fine because like i i guess it sort of fits in with like the the like ghost in the shell like kind of thing like because like even the the original anime like The major is very, she's very emotionless. Like that's sort mm -hmm. of like what they're talking about. You see, you know, like how, how removed from humanity can you become before you stop being a human? Well, like in this movie, it feels like there was not really a whole lot of humanity to, to begin with. And yeah. like a lot of, a lot of the scenes, like the best scenes in the movie, I feel like were done better in the, in the anime, like, um, like more so than the manga. Cause like in the, Like the manga is has a lot more like it's almost like slapstickish, yeah. You know, like the Shiro brand of humor. Yeah, like it's very yeah, it's very like 80s style humor yeah. where it's like the characters are goofy and stuff. Like the movie, uh, especially the first movie, is so it's so like um, what's his name uh, Mamoru Oshii. Like it's so yeah. his flavor. Like that's yeah. his thing. That it's almost like you have to say like oh there's uh shiro's ghost in the shell and mamoru oshii's ghost in the shell i'm really surprised that they didn't like because at the start when they do like the credit scene like or i guess like during like the birth of the cyborg scene like they said based on the comics by masamune shiro i'm surprised they didn't say like based on the anime from mamoru oshii because that's technically more correct like yeah, there's right. yeah like there are scenes that are just straight up lifted from the comic Like, like, for example, the birth of the cyborg, which but even then, like, it's not as impactful. And uh, and even like in the movie, like, for example, the you know, there's that that the song that they play, like that, like that haunting, like choir during yeah. that that opening part. Yeah, like that. They don't play that song 
at all in the movie until the credits. And then they start playing it. Like, I don't even remember what the music of the movie sounded like. It, I don't know. It, it was just such like a forgettable experience for right. me. I think like, um, I don't know. Like it, it was, it, it was just such like a, I, I thought that, okay, they made ghost in a shell into a movie. Like somebody must have been like, look, I love this movie. I'm going to, I'm going to, or, and this comic, I'm going to turn it into a movie and it's going to be rad. But like, they didn't really, they didn't, they didn't really do that. Like, I don't know. I couldn't hear the high fives. That's how I know it wasn't, it wasn't like, I don't know. It, it, it at least, at least that, that, that was my perspective. Like it was just a very like cold movie. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing. I mean, it, it sounds like it had no emotional weight at all. Right. Yeah. I mean like, and they, they, they tried to have it or they, they, they tried to make it have like emotional weight. Like there is like one part that does sort of make you care, mm-hmm. but the characters don't seem like they're that interested in it. Right. And, I don't know. It's like sometimes stuff just happens and you're just left being like, wait, wait, what was that about? Like, um, yeah. And uh, like they, they, they took scenes from like the, uh, from the show, like, uh, like, or, I, I guess I, I can give this one away. Cause it's not really like a spoiler. It's just more of like a weird, like, huh, why did mm-hmm. that happen? Like they have the, um, like the, the, uh, the, the guys who are driving around the garbage truck. Yeah. Like, yeah. Those, yeah. Th- those guys are in the, are in the, the movie too. But um, they didn't put in the uh, like. You remember how there was the dude that was like the gunman who was ahead of them, who yeah. was like loading up all the traps or no, loading up the, the hacks for them ahead of yeah, time. Yeah. Like that, that dude is not in the movie. What they did instead was they had um, the garbage men get hacked, and then they become the gunmen. But it's weird mm. because they go from being garbage men to like gun-toting gunmen like instantly. Like in in the stretch of like one scene, they go from driving the garbage truck to being like, oh, now they're carrying like Uzis and they're like shooting like like the it, it's it's weird. And even the characters commented on it. They were like, where did you guys get those guns? And they're like, we don't know. <laughs> like it's like we just had them in our hands. The yeah, prop like, department. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, prop I mean, department. yeah. It's it's not like the Matrix where it's like, oh, OK, like we, we just downloaded some guns like. Yeah. In this, in this one, it's just like, oh, like there, there's something here. Like, where did these guys get these guns? Like, uh, unless there's like, oh, c- hold on, there's a gun like vending machine right there. I got that's this. <laughs> I, I got. So they have to line up with their credit cards to get the guns out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, so, it's like a, yeah. I was imagining it's like a coke machine. Like someone's like one of them's like down low, and he's like sticking his hand through the thing, like trying to get one for free. And pulls out like, the. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, ha-ha! Like, <laughs> you get, yeah, it's, you got to pay twice. There's there's another vending machine for the ammunition cartridge. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, so, I mean, I'm going to wait for that one to be a DVD movie, really. Um, I'm not going to go and oh, yeah. watch well, it in the like, cinemas. <laughs> yeah, and, like, I, I don't want to, like, I, I don't know if anybody who's listening to this is, like, um, like, I don't know. Like, my, my opinion is my opinion. I don't I don't state my opinions as fact. Like these are just things that I perceive. But like I don't want to stop anyone from watching the movie. It's more just like I don't know. It just like as a person, like I, I didn't I didn't go in, I went into the movie with like zero expectations. Cause I, mm-hmm. I just prefer I prefer to do it that way. Cause every yeah. every like I there are so many times I go into a movie and I'm I'm expecting it to be great and then it's not great. You know, or or vice versa. Like I'll go in and be like, oh, 
this movie's gonna suck and then i i come out like that movie was awesome so it's i found it's just best to go in with like just like all right i'm gonna go watch a movie like that's it and yeah and so it's it, it served me well up to this point like um uh, yeah i mean that's the best way right because then you you don't have expectations and even if it's um maybe not great you're still not super disappointed so you have a yeah. good time yeah like in in uh yeah because I, I i've heard people talk about like you know if if you go in to see a movie and you're expecting it to be great and it's not that's such a hard like it's way harder to like if th- that's a fall you know like mm-hmm. that's a fall from like the top of a mountain like that's that's hard to survive but if you think that something is going to be like nothing and then it ends up being something like oh that's a that's a climb like nobody got hurt in the yeah. making of this like um so i i think that that's the at least for me especially when it comes to like things like stuff adapted from comics is like it's so easy to like the comic version uh sort of dwarf everything else yeah in terms of like the adaptation but like uh to me i i'd rather i'd rather see something um because i mean a movie, a movie and a comic are so different. I mean, with, with all the stuff that they have in common, like uh, they have even more so things that are that are different, you know, and yeah. things that work out well on a page. If you try to, you know, like if like if, if they took a comic fight scene and they tried to animate it, like or put, put it in a movie, it would be the most boring fight ever because like it's really hard to draw like a an exciting fight scene yeah. in a in a comic. Because the mm-hmm. characters aren't moving, you have to convey so much about the motion and the the impact in a comic that like you can feel it. So you know, like it, it'd be like seeing a Jackie Chan movie, in and versus like me trying to draw like a Drunken Master or like any Jackie Chan movie. Like it's just yeah. not going to be as good, you know. So yeah, like, I, yeah, I, I always try to like take everything with a grain of salt and like let let it be its own version. Like, um, I would have been perfectly happy with Ghost in the Shell if they had just said, all right, we're going to do a movie in the Ghost in the Shell world with all this lore, but we're not going to have it be about the major. We're going to have it be about somebody else. That would like to me, that would have been perfect. Like if it was like, oh, this is section two. And here is the thing where they're dealing with, like with these group of people or if they were going to have the major, like if they like, no, we have to have the major. Okay, well, how about you do something that's not the first animated movie only like how about yeah. you have them like like they could have come up with anything but like they there there's just so many moments in the movie where i was like okay we built this movie to sort of get you to this scene and that scene and like oh here's the scene where she's like standing on the thing and she's pulling on it like trying to like pull the hatch off the tank it's like oh okay oh oh here's this yeah. scene where like you oh you get to see like a i don't know this like oh it's the fight in the in like that water area where like yeah. you can't yeah. see her yeah and it, it's just like okay but if you guys had done something new then this would be the, the, then there wouldn't be this like sort of this comparison having to be drawn yeah yeah so i mean yeah it's just like sort of going from that scene to scene to scene that comes out of the comics with like just the, the barest piece of thread of story trying to sort of tie everything together which is yeah. effectively how, how I felt with the, um, the the Zack Snyder movie, you know, and <laughs> Batman v Superman and stuff. So, oh, you know, yeah. th- there was there was some great scenes. There was some great sort of imagery that you were like, wow, you know, I can see that in the comic page. But, you know, the, the story that sort of ties it all together was 
it was threadbare <laughs> effectively well like for me like it, it was just so obvious to me that because like this like zach snyder can he can tell a story i think that the problem with like the the batman v superman stuff is just that like they're trying to they're, they're trying to get to justice league way too quickly like mm-hmm. the, the sort of like the the saving grace of the marvel movies was that they worked their way up to the avengers like slowly it took them a while but they got to it and when they got to it it was like okay here's your payoff like they got to the fireworks yeah. but like with batman v superman like it felt like they're the, the only movie before this like the start of their universe is man of steel and then the second movie is a uh is a team up movie like already it's a, it's a team up and then yeah. the third movie is suicide squad which is like another team up and then the next movie will be wonder woman and then another team up like it's just like they're trying yeah. they're trying to get to like that that million dollar that billion dollar movie franchise like yeah. way quickly it feels like they're in a race, but you know who are they racing against? Because it doesn't have to be a race, which is which is the thing, right? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, Superman uh, and Batman individually should be able to generate a billion dollar movie. So you know, it's not like they need to do that to get there. Oh yeah. Well, and like I, I think that um, I mean, because like with the Christopher Nolan movies, like by the second the second movie, there the was a billion dollar movie, and I think the mm-hmm. third one. Uh, came up like pretty close to it too so like yeah batman can make batman will generate money Mm -hmm. and and, like even with with man of steel like they made a lot of money on man of steel like it was not like a failure like by any means i think it's more like i think it's the the producers are like like they like they would rather have it sooner rather than later Mm -hmm. and um i mean like like why, why else would they they like go for like oh okay like you know they're i i don't know i see so much like they they're looking across the the field and seeing like oh marvel's got their like ragtag group of like superheroes okay well we'll do that and then it's suicide squad which is like their um guardians of the galaxy mm-hmm. like i i see it happening like just to be fair i see it happening on the marvel camp too just because like thor 2 was so not good yep yeah at least like to me that like they're like okay we have to do a thor movie again it's been a while how can we make it cool? What's doing well for us now? Oh, okay. Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, let's just do that. Yeah, it, it's a lot of uh, cribbing right now, which like I'm not I'm not super excited about. Yeah. The for me like the, I don't know like uh, what made the Marvel movies like the Phase One ones cool was because like, what made them cool to me was that they were like an anthology. It was like like oh look here's a fantasy movie in your superhero movie universe. Here's your um, your uh, fugitive movie. Here's your World War One, World War Two documentary movie set in the same universe, and that mm-hmm. was awesome. But ever since the Avengers, it feels like they've just been doing Avengers over and over. Like yeah. there's no, yep. no buildup. You know what I mean? Like Ultron came out of nowhere. I mean, like we still haven't seen Thanos. Like how many years has it been since Avengers <laughs> when they showed his like his weird chin at the ba- at the end of the movie? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's been like seven, seven years since that. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and like, and some someone commented like, because uh, there was the casting that like Josh Brolin is going to be Cable. Someone was like, oh, like how is he going to film uh, Thanos if he's going to be Cable? And I'm like, it's been seven years. <laughs> like, yeah, if they haven't filmed anything yet, then like they're in trouble. 
And I mean, visually, he's going to be he's going to look very different anyway. It's going to be a purple CGI character. So, yeah, yeah. It, it, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's not like he's been sitting like at home, like, I don't know, like eating, eating steaks and doing push ups in order to get to that, like Thanos physique. Yeah, <laughs> which is ridiculous. But like, um, yeah, I mean, he, like at the very at the very least, he'll be doing uh, like the voice work. But I mean, mm-hmm. he's not really like an action here. Well, I don't know. I, I, I haven't. I guess I haven't seen a ton of his movies to guess. But like, if you're gonna have a fight scene with Thanos, would it be better to like hand over the motion capture stuff to like uh like an un, uh, like Ray like, Park or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, or like yeah, like one, one, like yeah, one of those guys, like somebody who knows martial arts, or mm-hmm. I guess depending on how they do the fighting, you know, someone who. You know, like if they're going to have him fight with an axe, why don't you give it to somebody who is like a trained stuntman who knows how to fight with an axe? Mm -hmm. Why would you give it to to Josh Brolin, who doesn't maybe know how to fight with an axe? But I don't know. I didn't see him with an axe in um, uh, in true grit. So I I can't say. Yeah. If he's able to fight fight with an axe, I don't want him to like. It's going to be that Vin Diesel movie where Vin Diesel comes to beat me up and like Josh Brolin comes in. He's like, here, I'm he's like, I'm here to help Vin. And I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a team up. I'd like to see <laughs> you. It's like you love the Avengers. You love Batman <laughs> v Superman. Apparently now the next team up movie, Josh Brolin, Vin Diesel versus the George. Yeah, <laughs> the George. I love it. Yeah. Who is the George? He's a nerd with the internet and a big <laughs> mouth. Someone's got to shut him up. Now that justice is never going to come. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> it's never going to dawn uh, on you. I hope if they, I, if they do make that new a movie, I want to be CG. Like, I, I don't want to be played by an actor. I, I want it to be like <laughs> the cheapest movie possible. Like I want like PlayStation, PlayStation one graphics, George. It's like, walk. Like, <laughs> you want to be eight bit. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it was like, wouldn't wouldn't that be the, the like the coolest thing? Like watching me like, and I've even got like a little like sound effect when I run, like <laughs> like as I'm running away from Vin Diesel and Josh Brolin as they're smashing up my house. <laughs> and for some reason, Josh Brolin is carrying an axe. Yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd I'd watch it, and it's not. I want to see that poster. That's gonna be that's gonna be an awesome looking poster. <laughs> yeah the marketing oh, campaign will be amazing for that movie <laughs> especially if like they don't like they don't say and he's an 8 bit character like if it's just there and they don't explain it like it's yeah. just like no this is just this world George is just an 8 bit <laughs> character he, he looks like the worst sprite in uh, Legend of Zelda 2 the <laughs> Zelda that nobody talks about just go with it but then we already got the Scott Pilgrim movie you know what I haven't, I haven't seen that like I, I've heard I've heard people say it's great, but like I was not a fan of the comic, so no, I'm just like, eh. yeah, I, I just didn't really watch it. But like, did you guys like it? Not the movie is 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 not my cup of tea either. Really, I enjoyed the movie. I got to say, I liked. I mean, it had its faults, but I liked what they were trying to do with it, and I thought it was a really, really good take, and and a really good in, interpretation of the comic as well. So, okay. Cause like I I do, I do like Edgar Wright and um, yeah. I, I think uh, more so than anything like I think that um because like the reason I did like Scott Pilgrim when I when I tried reading it is just the fact that like Scott Pil- Scott is kind of he's kind of a he's kind of a jerk 
Like yeah. He, yeah. he he dates this girl just just to do it because he's like, oh, she was really cute, so I wanted to date her. And then immediately is like, whoa, look at this girl on roller skates. I know I'm going to start a relationship up with her instead of like, I don't know, dealing with his relationship with the first girl who is still like smitten with him. And then yeah. like we're we're supposed to think he's really heroic when he's fighting against her evil exes. It's like, what about your evil current boyfriend who is like two timing <laughs> with other people and like is uh, and but we're supposed to be having fun. Like I, it just felt like, I don't know, especially in the first book where like the, the first like three quarters of it are just like sort of a typical rom- like romance story, like mm-hmm. romantic drama. Yeah. And I was like, okay, the, the, the art style is cutesy. I guess that's where like the, a lot of the like goofy imagery stuff comes from. But then by the end of it, it's like, it's a musical and there's like video game references. Like it just felt so out of nowhere. Yeah. It, at least based on what I, what I've, what people have told me for the movie is that the movie is a little bit more cohesive. The movie but, um, is, yes. It, it's a lot more tonally consistent. Yeah. I mean, what I got out of the story is that, yeah, he is a bit of a dick, but he, it, it's kind of like the story of a guy learning how to deal with, He's effectively growing up, you know, yeah. learning how to deal with these relationships and, you know, how to deal with other people as well uh, and his own self-confidence. So that's why I, I actually did like the story, because I thought that was an interesting story to tell. And the way the movie portrayed that, I thought it did it quite, quite well. OK, yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a try then, because like I'm always looking for new stuff to watch and I do like. Edgar Wright's like movie, like his style of making movies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Even though, like at times, I feel like his movies tend to be a little overwrought. Like especially like yeah. um, like uh, I'm the one I'm thinking of. Like I love what's the one where it's the it's the same it's the same two dudes Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and like they're they're cops. Uh, hot, um, fuzz. hot fuzz. Hot, yeah. yeah, hot fuzz. Yeah, like hot fuzz is like such a fun movie, but like there's a whole like 30 minutes that they could have cut out of that movie and it would have felt a lot better. I think like, it yeah, just he, sort of, <laughs> yeah, it sort of just goes on for a bit. He um, does get self-indulgent sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I've definitely like, I, I've definitely like done stuff in, in comics and you'll see it in Spencer and lock where someone's probably like, I mean, why did he do this? And it's probably cause I was like, I, I, I just really wanted to, you know, like, I, <laughs> Yeah, I think like in in artists like um like and even, especially in like movies like sometimes you'll you'll find stuff in there where you're just like why would this person do that? But then you end up like if you watch enough of their work you're like, "Oh, this is their thing." Okay. Yeah, yeah it's sort of like how um oh, what's that guy? He's the director of 7. I'm going to oh, David Fincher. Yeah, 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 uh like for yeah, like him for example, he's his thing in making movies is he likes to make people feel uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. if you're watching a movie that he makes and you're not feeling uncomfortable, then he's sitting at home going like, ah, I missed one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I, like, I, I like, it's so hard for me to say that I like his movies. Cause I kind of don't like, they're so, they're so uncomfortable. They're like, just watching them. It's just like, Oh, like it, it almost feels like a, like, do I have to? It's like but, going to the dentist. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you, you know, 
you know you got to and oh i have to i have to go to a dentist tomorrow no oh. oh, great <laughs> sorry to bring that up then <laughs> yeah no no it's good i i, I needed just like a fincher movie like i, I needed to do it <laughs> well yeah like i remember watching gone girl and being like oh why did i watch this this was a poor choice <laughs> but as you've mentioned earlier um perhaps you get people uh with some other stuff that seems self-indulgent to to others and then other people um see it as a as a, a valid part of your of your work that they enjoy you know they they go to the fincher movies because they want to feel uncomfortable some of some of his audience yeah no yeah it's it, I, i i definitely agree with that so, it's sort of like going to a horror movie yeah and like not want, but you like don't like to be scared yeah. kind of thing yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah no i 100 agree with you but you need it from time to time just just like the dentist <laughs> yeah you know that that's that is a good point because like you know sometimes you need to be like shaken out of your comfort zone yeah so that way you can sort of like go back to like being a normal person yeah kind of and i mean and that's how you grow as well right you gotta hopefully expose yourself in a safe way which is what media allows you to do to these types of experiences um so I, I enjoy doing it. It's not comfortable, but I like going to horror movies and just to sort of see how far I can go sometimes. Um, yeah. Like the new It trailer freaked me out. Of I, saw it when I, oh. I saw It when I was a kid and I hate clowns to this day. So I'm looking forward to the new movie coming out and sort of trying to do some exposure therapy to get me to go see it. Uh, so yeah, like when, when I was a kid, like so my, like my, my name is technically Jorge, but my mom calls me Georgie. Or she calls me G, like for short. And right. so, like the first kid that gets eaten by the clown in it is named Georgie, and that oh, messed me cool. up. As a, I thought I thought that clown was coming for me because, like back then, I didn't have like the biggest grasp that like I I was safe from the creature. Yeah. Like uh -huh. to me, yeah, to me, like movies and stuff was just like, oh, this is just like th th this is like a somebody was recording this and it's it's actually happening. So I thought that there was a clown that was like out to get me, and so I was just. I was terrified of sewers for the yeah. long time until the Ninja well, Turtles. And I was like, okay, <laughs> well, if they're down there too, you know? yeah. can't be that bad. Yeah. At, yeah. at least if I get, if I get attacked, like they'll, they'll come and save me. But like, yeah. I feel like it, it is like the, the worst pair up of like things to be horrified. Cause like, if you don't like, if you don't like clowns and you don't like bugs, then like, it <laughs> is just like the perfect like monster for you because like i don't know i don't know too many people who are like man my favorite thing is when i wake up covered in bugs like, <laughs> yeah like i i love that feeling like i don't know i feel like it, like i i can't imagine it like being more like more horrifying yeah it's a pretty primal like it really preys on the on the primal fears that people have you know yeah yeah i mean clowns as primal as it gets i guess but you know just any sort of grotesque sort of facial figure oh so. yeah especially when like because with a clown like you're looking at it and it looks like a human but its face is doing something that's not that's not right yeah. and just like something in your mind like it makes you wonder like when were clowns cool yeah like, <laughs> clowns feel like such a weird relic and then you end up like you like you look you're like wait but who thought clowns were a good idea I yeah. guess back when, like, in the silent era, maybe, like, mime, it, like, clown was, like, extension of mime. Yeah. But, like, yeah. at the same time, like, ugh. Um, yeah. Do you, do you guys watch uh, True Facts about animals? 
No, no. It, it's this YouTube series. Like I, the, the only reason I bring it up is because it's like tangentially related. This guy, <laughs> he does, um, he does these like short, uh, like little nature documentaries about real animals and their weird habits. But he, he like punches them up to be funny. And so he was talking about the mantis shrimp, which if you've ever seen it, like it's just like it's got these like crazy colors and it's um it's really violent. And like apparently like it it uh, some of them have these like these um on on their legs, like some of them have these like fists that are so uh they they, they can punch things with so much force that they can uh like they can actually like they 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 generate light and they have like wow. I think it said like it has like the uh, the same firepower as like a twenty two caliber bullet, and like Fuck. this thing this thing is like it could fit in your hand like it's not like a big creature it's this like little shrimp and like it's uh, that compared like and so the dude kept comparing it to a clown he was saying like oh the mantis shrimp is a living fossil of the prehistoric clown <laughs> that all clowns like <laughs> evolved from <laughs> wow and, and then like later on he's like. <laughs> He's saying like, and just like the clown, the mantis shrimp is a psychopathic killer. With like, <laughs> <laughs> Who could like generate? At the end of the video. Yeah, it's it's great. Like at the end of the video, he says, um, he says like, so just remember, if you're afraid of clowns, stay afraid, stay <laughs> very afraid, because <laughs> like, oh man, mantis shrimps are crazy, but yeah. so are clowns. so it all it all works out. So clowns. I was gonna say at the end of that video, was it like this video brought to you by the new Warner Brothers movie or whatever? <laughs> no, it, it, at this point it's a few years old, but like I feel like All right. they, they need that dude needs to make more videos in general. He's really right. funny. <laughs> yeah. But um yeah, I will I'll stop talking about YouTube videos that I like on your on your podcast about No, I mean clearly we could we could go on talking to you about pretty much anything at this point because yeah. if we're having so much of fun. Um I'm just conscious of time. So, Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Asteroids in Exile. The second part of this interview is already on the feed and ready for your consumption. You'll find links to Horge's web presences as well as further information about everything that has been mentioned in this episode at our blog at asteroidsinexile.com and the show notes for this episode. If you want to get in contact with us, you can do so via email at asteroidsinexile at gmail.com or Twitter under the handle asteroidsin or on Instagram at asteroidsinexile. If you like this episode, please consider leaving a rating and or a review on iTunes or the podcast of your choice. Take care and you'll hear from us.